Hi there, and welcome along to episode 80 of the Jersnet Podcast, the totally free Rangers show by the fans for the fans. by leaving us all your comments and your questions over on YouTube. Uh, we'll be keeping an eye on that throughout the show and we'll get to as many of those as we can. The podcast, as always, is available for download from Monday morning to make sure you never miss a th- uh, never miss a thing. Make sure you hit the subscribe button. We're available on iTunes, Google Play, Acast, CastBot, Stitcher, all the rest of them. Uh, make sure you subscribe and you'll get that podcast delivered every Monday morning. Um, remember as well that Jazznet, whilst we have got a, a, a shiny pod, it's not just the podcast, we also have a load of articles, match previews, a lively discussion forum over at www.jazznet.co.uk. But tonight it's all about the podcast. Um, we're going to try and keep our spirits high after dropping yet more points over at uh, McDermott Park. We're also going to take a look back at an incredible night at Ibrox on Thursday evening. My name's Ross Bennett and I'm going to be our Jazznet host this evening. As always, we have two excellent guests joining me. Uh, first up, it's a very, very warm welcome to the professional five-a-side injury that is Colin Armstrong. Colin, how's your weekend been? Uh, up until today, it's been fairly okay, Ross. I was I was at a gig on Friday night. I went to see Supergrass at the Barrowlands, and that was fairly decent. Uh, quite a relaxing day yesterday, and uh, an utter shit show today. Before we get into the utter shit show today, I mean, what's a, a Supergrass gig at the Barrowlands? What's the average age uh, above or below forty? Oh, I, uh, I would say uh, over. I would, I would, I would say about sixty percent, maybe a wee bit higher. Were, were people of my age, uh, but there were some young pups like yourself there, isn't Ross? You know. No, no, that's um, that's far too old for me. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, how old are you? I mean, the Supergrass about twenty five. I think, I think this is our twenty fifth anniversary. Were you even born then? Uh, no, I'm 28. So, uh, so you're, uh, you're just a young pup. Yeah. 28? You've, you've had a, you have had a rough paper round, boy. <laughs> I'm 30 next year. I'm absolutely... Oh, dear. Oh, sad. Um, I'm gutted for you. No, really am. <laughs> also with us tonight is a warm welcome back to fan favourite John McCallum. John, have you had your 30th yet? I, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to answer that question on the grounds of incriminating myself and also that I actually can't remember it it was that long ago <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just a wee bit miffed that he got described as a fan's favourite and I got five-a-side injury the thing is neither of those statements can be disagreed with oh, okay <laughs> <laughs> right, I'll take that and move on yes <laughs> alienate one guest before we get started um, <laughs> we're already uh miserable so we might as well pile in and and get started by discussing today's performance over at at McDermott Park Um, a game in which Rangers had some of the worst defensive performances I've seen in in my time as a fan Um, going 1-0 down clawing back equalising going 2-1 up and then throwing it away yet again collapsing crumbling uh, and dropping points for the fourth time in seven league matches Uh, Colin Looking back on the match, first things first, an absolutely horrendous goal to concede early on. Yeah, I think both goals were horrendous, Ross, to be honest with you. I think I think you're right. I mean, it's, it's, it's a defensive performance. It's pretty poor. The whole performance was, was pretty poor. We had, a, we had a wee run, obviously, after Camberry came on at half-time and sort of wee 20 minutes after the second half started. We get ourselves in front, but... It, I mean, I know I've been sort of debating with a few supporters on Twitter today after it, you know, and, you know, the, the feelings are running high and people are upset and annoyed and all the rest of it. And, and I get that. And people questioning the system, which I, I think John was, was doing before we came on air. I can get why supporters are, are disappointed and questioning the system and questioning the manager. But see if, you've, see if you've got defenders that make basic mistakes like that. I mean, the second one in particular, uh, it's just shocking for me. You know, it's it's about it's, it's it's a fairly easy cross to deal with. Just put it back for where it's came from. I don't even know what catch was was, was doing, and they couldn't have set it, set it up for Stevie May any better. You know what I mean? It was almost like he was cushioning the ball down front to say, "Right, on you go, Stevie, stick it home." So, 
I feel for Jenner because is he perfect? No, he's made mistakes and there, there maybe is you know, reasons and evidence to suggest that the system that he keeps going with isn't working. But time and time again, you know, our top players, our sort of leaders are, are just letting us down. And I, I, I don't understand that at all because, you know, we've shown this season, especially in the first half of the season, that when we're in, at top form, we can we can we can challenge anybody really you know not met anyone in Europe or domestically that I've been overly worried with but since the turn of the year it's just been the worst thing about today is it was predictable you know I text my mate before the game saying I've got the fear for the day I, I think it's going to be another horrible performance and we're going to drop points and I was bang on and that's the worrying thing it's becoming predictable and there doesn't seem to be any leaders there to sort of lift us through it and Aye, it's, it's worrying, but I feel for Gerard. It, it does deserve a bit of criticism, but uh, you can't legislate for top players just not perform. Look, I think you're right. It, it does deserve criticism. And actually, one of the main criticisms that's been leveraged at, at Gerard is that he doesn't know how to change a game. He doesn't know how to change the shape. Um, doesn't make substitutions at the right time. Um, I had a mate from a text today saying, uh, Gerard will need to make a change at half-time but he won't, he'll leave it to 80 minutes. And actually, to his credit, he did. He made a change at halftime. He goes off Halliday, puts on Canberry, and it, it does change the game and it puts us ahead. But as you say, Colin, there's you can't legislate for professional footballers making an arse of it. John, we're kind of skirting around the issue that Nico Katic today had, in my opinion, one of the worst Rangers centre-half performances that I can remember for a very, very long time. I mean, it was Carl Svensson levels of incompetence. Um this is a lad who, throughout his Rangers career, has found himself in and out of the team. And yet, when he's out of the team, you have swarms of fans on Twitter saying, free Katic, pop Katic in the team. He's better than Holander. He's better than Goldson. Goldson's undroppable. I mean, today was horrendous from Katic. Is it time maybe to, to drop him and, and bring Edmondson back in whilst we wait for Holander to return for fitness? He, he, he was very poor today. It was as bad a performance from Katic as I've seen. I think Edmondson must be sitting there on the bench thinking, what have I got to do to get a game? Because he hasn't been playing well, Katic. And it's funny, one of the big criticisms I've got of Katic is that one of the main criticisms is that I think his distribution's poor. You know, I don't think he's great at, uh, at that side of the game, which is something that a lot of the kind of modern centre-halves really need to have. But I've always thought he was a pretty good defender. I've always thought he's the guy who'll win the ball in the air, he'll clear it, he'll do that side of things pretty well. And that was the bit that was missing today. You know, twice, twice he just needed to clear the ball. And, and twice he seemed unable to do it. And, you know, it, that's for the two goals. But um, there were other occasions as well when, when he just needed to just do the simple thing and, and he wasn't doing it. Now, I'll tell you, I'll, I'll temper my criticism of Katic a little bit because his mistakes led to goals. And so naturally our focus is on him. But he wasn't the only one in the pitch who, who was having a poor game. Um, he also isn't the only centre-half. And he's certainly the, the junior centre-half. And I'm, I'm a fairly big supporter of, of Goldson. But I think you have to look at the whole defence today and say they just did not play well. Um, you know, that's a St Johnston team that don't score many goals. Um, and they should have scored at least another one against us today, and you know, possibly a couple. Um, overall, massively disappointing, and and it would be it would be no surprise if Katic didn't start on Wednesday, uh, and it would certainly be no surprise if he didn't start on um, at the weekend against Hearts because uh, something's wrong. You know, something is wrong with that team just now. There are too many individual players not playing well. Katic is definitely one of them. And, and to make two errors like he did today, I don't think anyone would be surprised if he wasn't starting uh, come Wednesday night. Is there, is there an argument, John, that maybe Katic is still riding on, on the coattails of that performance? Or maybe just even that goal on the 29th that, that people in the management structure can't look past that? But the whole team is riding on that. The whole, the whole team is still riding on that match. I mean, this. I mean, seriously, McGregor. You could maybe say McGregor is is still in is still in form, and even he's had you know, a, a wobble. Um, you know, even he looked a bit iffy a couple of games ago. But but other than McGregor, is there is there anyone in that team just now who you'd say is still showing the form they showed pre Christmas? 
Arfield's working hard. Sometimes it comes off, sometimes it doesn't. He didn't have a great start to the season. But beyond that, I don't think Katic is the only one. Frankly, they're all they're all resting their laurels just now. That's the frustrating thing. No, I'd I'd, I'd agree with that. I'd, I'd argue that the performances of people like Davis, um, like Ryan Jack, certainly Ryan Kent have have, have dipped. Um, Scott Arfield, it pains me to say, it has been probably the best player in the park or the most consistent player for Rangers over the last three or four weeks. Um, possibly Joe Aribo in the last couple of weeks so has come coming and done very well. Um, it, actually, if if we can't keep on this on this vein, Colin, and, and look at Ryan Kent, this is an issue that that I'm having. I'm texting my mates saying, "How is Ryan Kent still getting a game?" The wide positions is a position where actually we have a wee bit of depth. Um, we've got some quality players that can come in and, and are known to do a job at SPL level. Kent has been totally ineffective in 2020. His output is, is appalling. He, he can't beat a man. His distribution's poor. What's gone wrong with Ryan Kent and, and what do we need to do about it? Well, I would argue that Ryan Kent is displaying the type of form that Ryan Kent has always displayed. I, I think there was a wee bit of a myth about what he, what he gave us last season. I think his stats were very similar to Candice in terms of goals and assists. What Kent does give you is when a game opens up, you know, he, he's, 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 he's mobile, uh, he's quick, he's, you know, he can get in behind teams. And he's probably what's sort of covered over Kent's failings in other games is the fact that he's done well against Celtic on, on more than one occasion. But that, that again, that's probably a game that would suit him. You know, because when you're playing Celtic, they're going, they're they're not going to sit in, they're they're going to going to come for us. So he's got more space to to sort of operate in and get in behind. Whereas when teams sit in, uh, as you've seen, he, he struggles. You know, if, if he's up against a, a bank of four and a five or whatever, then he's he's, he's going to struggle. So I'd, I, the thing that annoys me about Kent is all these people that are going off. They're not about Ryan Kent. Were the ones we were howling that we had to sign him in the summer. You know, they were the ones that saying, "Oh, we need to spend six, seven, eight million and get him back up the road." I never seen it. I, I, I never seen the, the seven million. I thought it was, you know, if you're a even a championship club doing in England, that's that's a reasonable fee, and you're getting a reasonable player. But for for us, that was a huge outlay, and it was for someone who had produced okay stats for the season before in terms of his goals and assists. It was someone you're spending seven million. Someone who's not actually given you anything new. We've had them the season before, so it's not like you're getting a brand new signing who's freshening things up. You're just spending seven million to maintain what you've already had. So I, I never, I, I'm not against Ryan. I was never against Ryan Kent coming back, but I, I felt we, we spent too much on him, and I, I think too many fans were uh, laying it on a wee bit thick when it came to Ryan Kent. I, I thought. It was okay last season and had good games here and there and obviously done well against Celtic. Uh, at Celtic Park last year, he got the goal and played really well and he done that this season as well. But overall, I think he's just producing the form which he, he tends to produce overall. Can I, can I come in on that? Sure. Just no. on... on <laughs> <laughs> the, fans, the fans want me to speak, Colin. The fans want Okay, okay, okay. On you go. <laughs> um... But on Kent, one of the things I've, I've noticed recently is think back to the start of the season and, and, and early in the season. Kent used to switch wings regularly. You know, he would start on one side, he would switch over to the other. Ten minutes later, he would come back. You know, there was real movement in Kent in terms of his positioning. And that's not happening just now. You know, Kent is sitting and he's playing very wide. And I don't know if that was because of, we had Halliday at fullback today and, and without Barisic pushing on, tactically he had to play a slightly different game. But I've noticed that this year that, that Kent, for some reason, and I agree, Kent's not playing well, and I personally don't think he deserves a starting place just now. I, don't th- I thought that before today. I don't think he deserves a starting space. I think I, I don't, Jordan Jones must have done something awful in training because how he can't get a game just now is beyond me because Kent is just not playing well. And But he's something's changed there. Kent used to start in one wing. He would switch over to the other wing. They would switch back. Sometimes you would see him in the middle. You know, him and him and Morelos would suddenly be playing in the middle together. That's not happening just now. You know, the, the, the front three seem to be quite rigid, uh, which is puzzling because, you know, Haji is two-footed. Um, you know, he's clearly a guy who could play in different places. 
I don't know. Why, why are we not being more mobile? Why is there a rigidity to our front three just now that we didn't have earlier in the season when we were playing well? You know, somebody who understands tactics better will possibly understand that and be able to explain that. But it's a puzzler. And, and whatever's happening with Kent just now, it's, it's I agree entirely. He's not doing it just now. I mean, I would, I would stick up for Ryan Kent in one respect, and, and that is that he certainly doesn't hide. You know, he's always looking for the ball, and he, he does. He has wee moments. One thing he's really bad at, I think, and he, I think these kind of things get worse when, you, when you're hitting a sort of bad run of form. You, you try and, it's almost like you try too much, and I kind of get that impression for Ryan Kent now. You know, there's a couple of occasions today and in, in other games when he's got himself into good positions to either set someone else up or to have a crack, and then he takes another touch and another touch, and so you get the feeling that his decision-making is all to pot now. But I, I, I go back to the original thing. I, I, I still think we over-egged the Ryan Kent thing last year, and I, I, I certainly questioned the fee. I'm not saying he can't add something to Rangers, he does, but I agree with you guys. It, it, he shouldn't be a, an automatic starter based on his current form. Do you, know who Kent, sorry, do you know who Kent reminds me of? He reminds me of Lovenkrantz. And I don't mean in terms of his style of play, but Lovenkrantz was the kind of player that he scored against Celtic. You know, he was great against Celtic. He was really good in European matches. And then he was no use at all against Hamilton or, or St Johnston. You know, he was, he was a big game player. He needed space. He, he needed room to run into. He could cause a lot of problems. And, and there's a bit of that about Kent just now. I'm actually, I'm going to argue that, that Yanis Hadji seems to fit that mould as well. Uh, I don't mean to criticise a lad who's, who's only been in the door two minutes, but it seems to me that today he was a deer in headlights and, he, you know, difficult pitch, not nice conditions, not a glamorous opponent. You know, it's not a night under the lights with the, the, a million TV cameras around. He didn't look like he fancied it to me. It looked like he was looking around going, Christ, where the hell am I? Um it, it, it concerns me that we have too many players like that, too many players like Lovenkrantz, um, like Hadjit, like Kent, who who just cannot turn it on for your, your bread and butter industrial Scottish football league. If we're trying to turn this into a little bit more of a positive discussion, because I'm aware that we, we don't want to end everyone's week on, on such a sour note, um, I'd, I'd argue that one highlight of, of today and of the past week or so has been the... the impact that, that Flo Camberry has made, John. Um, he came on today at halftime, totally changed the shape, brought a new energy, and I'd argue that he, when he came on uh, on Thursday, he also brought a new energy and, and freshened things up. If nothing else, it was a terrific finish for the first goal. Has he impressed you since coming in? Has he maybe exceeded your expectations? Yeah, but what we've seen of him, what we saw of him today, and I mean, I know we're going to talk about Thursday uh, later, so I'll, I'll leave that just now, but looking at him today, yeah, absolutely. You know, you couldn't really ask him to do much more. Um, his finish, you know, it's one of these ones, the first time you saw it, you thought it was just a fantastic ball. You see it two or three times, you're like, did it come off his shin? I can't quite figure out how he finished it. Either way, it was a brilliant finish. Um, and, and it was the game was crying out for someone to do something special. Rangers needed somebody to do something special. And he came on and did it. Uh, and and you, you can't ask any more. He then worked hard. You know, he, he just, he made a nuisance of himself. He got stuck in. Um, his, his dummy for the, the, the second goal was lovely. Um, you know, we were slagging Katic, but there's not many centre-halves can nutmeg two different players with one pass. Um, and, and he managed to do that today. And, uh, you know, he ran on and then he laid it on perfectly for, for the finish. Uh, so, you know, it's great that we've got somebody coming through who can, you know, help Morelos because we've not spoken about him and, and he is very off form just now and he obviously isn't going to be playing on Wednesday. So, you know, with him and Defoe both injured, everybody knew we needed a third forward. Uh, I wasn't I wasn't over the moon when we signed him. Um, I thought, okay, right, well, we need a third forward, so that's fine. That makes sense. He's someone who can put a bit of pressure for the place. Having seen him, uh, you have to say he he should start our next two games. You know, he, he's done enough in his time uh, on the pitch to warrant a start in these next two games. You know, he is doing his best to make sure this is a move that becomes permanent. He does not look like a player who wants to go back to Hibs. Who can blame him for that? Um, and um, uh, absolutely, you know, he is, the, he is the one piece of good news today. You're dead right, Ross. 
Colin, how about yourself? I mean, surely Camberry's burned his bridges at Hibs. You know, he, he comes in, does an interview uh, when he signs with Rangers, saying that he's all, as soon as he came to Scotland, he knew he wanted to come to Rangers. Do you think he, we should be taking a punt on him permanently in the summer, or we could have better options if we, if we dip back into the transfer market? I think it's down to the player, Ross. It's down to him. It's down to him to, to earn a permanent move. And you would have to argue. And, and, that, and that was maybe the difference today. You know what I mean? There's, there's a lot of players... You know, we had this discussion before we came on the air about how some players just aren't at it now and, and maybe that's because there isn't a threat to their, their place. So, you know, and they've, they've, they've got their contract. So they're, they're in that sort of comfort zone that, <coughs> excuse me, some some people talk about, you know, when players are thinking, well, I've, I've got three years here at a decent rate and no one's threatening my place. So, you know, I mean, I'll just go into comfort mode and that'll be that. But as he's actually... He's trying to fight for and and to to earn a permanent move, and you could see that in him today. You know, what I mean, I mean the 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 dummy to, to set up the second goal. Well, that's when Johnson boy had to find twenty quid to get a ticket to get back into the game. He's just took him right out of the game. The, he's laid on a plate for Ojo, and you can tell he he wants a permanent move. So that's that's what he needs to do. And if he, if he does enough between now and the end of the season, then why shouldn't we take a punt on him? You know I mean, if he's prepared to show that. Uh, he's, he's good enough and that he's hungry enough to come to Rangers then then I don't see why we wouldn't bring him on but the, what he done today immediately you know his movement he's sort of touching and giving goes and all that kind of thing he increased the tempo and the, the, the Rangers tempo sound like I'm a stuck record these days but since we came back for the the, the winter break the tempo has been horrifically slow you know and we just don't look at it at all Everything about the the, the build-up to that game at, uh, at Celtic Park before the winter break, you know, there was a couple of bad games. We had a bad game against St. Johnson on Boxing Day and, you know, we had the wee fluff at Aberdeen. But, I mean, even at Aberdeen, you know, the tempo in which we played, the aggression and everything about us, you know, when we played like that, we looked, we're a serious football team when we're on, our, on, on, on uh, form. And since we've come back, that's gone. And that's what Canberra offered today. When he came on, he was lively, a lot of movement, a lot of giving goals, and just lifted the tempo. And some of the players went with him in that. You know, all of a sudden, they sort of lifted their sort of side of the game. And we should have done... The minute we went 2-1 up, that should have been enough. And you just... You can't legislate for, uh, you know, for what happened with Katic. Uh, but in terms of Canberra, it's, it's up to him. And, and from what I've seen of him so far, he's gone the right way about earning a, a permanent move. Well, look, that's, that's a key point there, Colin, is that you cannot legislate for the idiocy of, of, of certain decisions that have been made um, by players. What's hard is that, I know, as we've, you know, just before we've come on, on air this evening, we've all been speaking that we've all seen messages of, of a, what's becoming a fairly sizable section of the Rangers support, maybe just the loudest section now saying, Gerard out, you know, is he, he, he's not experienced enough. He's not winning anything. It's it's time for him to go. John, do you think that this is a movement that's kind of getting louder, getting more momentum behind it, and and really, do you give any credence to these kind of um, these wishes to get rid of Gerard? I, I don't agree with them. If that's what you mean by giving them credence, I think I think you're right. I think it does exist. I think it exists more. I think the term we used earlier was there's a kind of knee jerk after a bad defeat. You know, the, the, the hours after it, um, I think there's, it's always that bit raw, you're that bit angrier. Um, you know, so so I, I think you look at it in a couple of days' time when everybody's calmed down a little bit and starts to, to see the big thing. But Gerard will come under pressure soon because if we go another season without winning anything, and that's, you know, the league is not, I've not given up in the league, but it's going to take something special for it's going to take something special for Celtic to collapse, and it's going to take something special for us to capitalise on that because none, that neither of those two things look like happening just now. But we're still in February, so I've not quite given up yet. But um, I think realistically, we're looking at the Scottish Cup. We've got to go with Tynecastle. We've got to win at a ground that we lost that last time round um, against a Hearts team that, that can't buy a victory just now in terrible form. Um, and somehow or other, we are we are unable to beat them. So we'll see. Gerard is making mistakes just now. I think 
Um, there was an interesting, there was an interview with Gerard by, by Danny Murphy. I don't know if either of you two have seen it. It's quite recent. I just read about it earlier. Um, and Danny Murphy, ex-teammate, is, is interviewing him and he talks about, uh, I, I can't quote it exactly, but basically Gerard talks about players. He's been asked about players and managing players and how different is it? And he says, it's no different from when he was playing. He said, players are motivated by two things, days off and money. And those are the two things that motivate players. And he was talking about how he had, um, there'd been a bad training session and he'd come in and told the, told the players they weren't getting a day off. And his, his exact words when he came in the next day and they played like Brazil. So that was the point he was making. But I thought it was an interesting observation that, that you know, as far as Gerard is concerned, players are motivated by two things, days off and money. Okay, everybody knows professional football players, like the rest of us, frankly, are motivated by money. Money is a big, a big factor in decisions we will make. Um, having having more of it certainly gives you more options in life and footballers are no different I, I, i'll take that but you'd hope there would be slightly more than that you'd hope you would have slightly more in this arsenal just now in terms of how you motivate players you know uh, uh, other than days off and money and I, I maybe i'm being naive maybe that is just how professional footballers work but i would hope there's more than that you know, and I'd be concerned slightly if if Gerald actually believed that that that's that's the only way you, you can motivate players. Um, so that concerned me a little bit. Um, some of his decision making is puzzling. We spoke about earlier. I mean, there are there are. It seems like there are two or three holy cows in the in the Rangers team just now who who can't be dropped. Um, every t every weekend, Jamie Jamie Murphy makes them look. More than, you know, sending him out loan looks like a bigger and bigger mistake because a player like that just now who is clearly in good form who's, who's you know, clearly hungry um, and can score goals is something we're missing because Kent isn't doing that just now um, Morelos is, is so far off form just now and my concern is there's so many of them off form who were in very good form you know, who were playing very well in the first half of the season, who are now playing way below the standards we know they can play. The speed, the shot, that short passing game that Rangers played the, in the first half of the season, where we could we could pass our way out of defence, we could pass our way out of tight spaces, pass, move, pass, move, pass, move. It's done with speed, it's done with accuracy. That that we've that's disappeared from our game completely. You know, we're now looking for centre halves or deep line midfielders to hit a 40 yard pass to somebody running into space for an attack to appear. We seem unable to pass our way through now. Now, I don't know if that's teams have just got wise to us and, and are defending differently. Whatever it is, that's stopped from our game. Morales is off form, Kent is off form, Davis is off form, Katic is off form, Tav's off form. So at some point, we need to question the coaching and say, how come all these guys, how come you went away to Dubai and everyone's come back rotten? How does that happen? What happened there? You know, what, what was going on there that has resulted in this loss of form? Were they trained too hard? Were they not trained enough? Did you, you know, did we, did we think they had what was done just because we won at Parkhead? You know, did we believe our own press? I, I, I don't know. So... I don't think it's time for Gerard to go. I don't think that at all. I don't think the majority of people think that. I think there are, there will be a, perhaps a local minority, a local minority who who are quite happy to to make those sounds, um, particularly in social media. I haven't heard it at games. I've heard grumbling and moaning. I've heard booing. Um, you know, uh, Kamara had just the, the worst game on Thursday night. Poor boy. He just everything he touched, just went wrong um he's another player that suddenly lost for him um and you know Gerard has to Gerard must understand ultimately he takes responsibility for that you know ultimately as as the manager and I know what Colin's saying you know that you can't legislate for what Katic did today yeah but Gerard picks the team he trains them and ultimately he will take responsibility for that he, he will be the one who gets the blame I expect the media to, to ramp up pressure, but Gerard largely, largely hasn't had 
bad bad media or, or poor media pressure since he's come up here. Um, I suspect he is going to get some of that this week. If we get a good result on Wednesday night, the pressure will be off. If we don't, it will be on. If we get a bad result next weekend, then I think the, you will start to see people questioning what does it, it, you know, is he capable of taking Rangers to the next stage? And the next stage is winning the league, that, or, or at least winning a trophy, but certainly winning the league. Is he capable of doing that? Uh, I think the board think he is. I suspect he will still be our manager um, come the start of next season. Um, but I would, I would say he's got until the next January break. And if, if we are not seriously contested, if we've not won the League Cup or at least reached the final again and are, are proper challenging for the league, I think then I think it might be the end for him, yeah. But just now, still too early. No, I can't argue with a single word of that, John. Um, Colin, just as a last word on on today's action and, and everything surrounding that, John mentions there that Morelos is is a mile off form. Um, there's comments again online talking about how he's looking overweight, he's off the pace. Um, he's certainly not as sharp as he was at the tail end of 2019. I think I saw you tweeting earlier that you know Morelos hasn't kicked a ball since Feyenoord and it's something like three goals in 15 games. How much of a concern is uh, is Alfie's form for you? Well, it's a major concern because we were so reliant on him, Ross. You know, I mean, he, he scored the lion's share of our goals and the the drop in form has tied in with our own drop in form, if you know what I mean. We've started to uh, drop points and, you know, you were good for a, the early part of the season, up until the end of November. Uh, you were going into every game expecting Morelos to score. You know, that's the sort of form he was in. Nowhere near that now. You know, I mean, it, 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 I feel I could throw a bag of cement at uh, Alfredo Morelos right now and he wouldn't be able to trap it. You know what I mean? So people talk about the system and all that, saying, oh, we're playing a system that's not, you know, getting the ball to him. But even when the ball does get to him, you know, it's bouncing off him, he's giving it away, and it looks like his head's gone for me. You know, I, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the off-field stuff. If he was maybe hoping for a move in January, I don't know what it is, but something is is very very wrong with Alfredo Morelos at the moment, and that's a concern because we were so reliant on him for goals, you know. And other people have stepped up, you know. Camberry's got one today, and Arfield's got a few over the last few weeks. But if you take the lion's share of goals out of any team, then you're asking for trouble. Uh, and I would say, I mean, people, you know. Everybody's saying it's been for January. I would say it's been since the end of November. You know, he never got a huge amount of goals in December. Uh, he, he obviously missed that penalty in the cup final. Never scored again against Celtic in that, that win on the 29th. And so there was wee hints then that he wasn't quite at his normal sort of levels. And it's just got worse and worse and worse. I get that he's had a couple of goals that were legitimate goals disallowed. Even if you take them into consideration, he's still way off the sort of levels that he was showing before. He's been very, very easily marked out of games now. There was a ball put in today, early on. I can't remember who it was that was marking him. And he was sort of on the edge of the box. And the guy behind him just stuck out a leg. You know, Morelos is... the, The ball's coming to Morelos. All he needs to do is make sure that the defender doesn't put a foot round and, you know, just protect the ball. None of that. You know, the defender just sticks a leg out, hoofs it clear. All very easy, you know what I mean? And that that's not what Morelos was like, you know, two or three months ago. He was it was almost impossible to play at, at one point. And, and my fear is, you know, at one stage you're thinking, oh, when we do lose him, we'll get top money for him. You're starting to think now, well, will we? Will we really get top money for him? Because he's looking overweight. As I, I'm not quite so sure about that, but I've heard a lot of people comment about it. My boy mentioned it today when there was a sort of close-up of Morelos, he said, well, he's looking awfully chunky these days. and So people are commenting on his weight. He, he looks slow, sluggish. Uh, he, he just looks in a bad mood again. He's just he's went through periods like this before, but I thought Gerard had got it out of him. Uh, I thought the arrival of Jermaine Defoe had, had helped in that as well. I think Defoe was doing a lot behind the scenes with him. But it, it, the last two or three months, it's just been really, really poor from him. And I, it's concerning because, you know, 
He's our top goal scorer. That's that's who we look to to get the goals. Uh, and he's not producing at the moment. So uh, it's a big concern. No, I totally agree. It's also a concern the fact that obviously Camberry's come in, he's doing well, um, but it's early days. The fact that Jermaine Defoe is obviously crocked and you know, the last couple of performances from him suggested that he was certainly nearing the end of his career. Obviously, we knew that already, but you could see that he certainly didn't have the legs that he once did. Um, as if, you say, if, if that's the case, why would that's? I mean, that's one thing about Gerard. You know, he does deserve a wee bit of criticism. I, I don't agree with the the line that he needs to go. However, you know, we're given the the four permanent deal. You know, I mean, and you just kind of wonder why why would you do that? You know, as you say. It does look like he's coming towards the end, so as what it is, but I felt we were struggling up front anyway. When we were playing really well, my biggest fear was, well, what happens if Morelos gets injured? Well, he's not got injured. He's just went catastrophically out of form, which is as bad as an injury, you know what I mean? Because he's 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 no worth anything to us in his, in his current mood. So I was always fearful if there was no Morelos, what would happen? I think you're seeing it now. You know, we're just... The whole team has sort of collapsed. Yeah, look, I I, I completely agree. Um, it's it's no coincidence that the team's down downturn in form has has coincided with Morelos's downturn in form and, and and the goals drying up. Um, and it's particularly difficult as you then see Edward banging them in the other side of the city, who's who's never been in such good form. Um, listen, I think you know we've we've done a good 35, 40 minutes there of of quite depressing, difficult talk about yet more points dropped and and I know John's saying he doesn't believe the league's over. I completely disagree personally. I think we're now focusing on on Europe and seeing how far that dream can take us and, and focusing on the Scottish Cup as our last realistic chance of silverware. Um, so I think what we need to do is, is kind of switch our focus and, and look back to, to Thursday night um, to quite a, a, a remarkable evening and an incredible game of football at Ibrox. Um, Colin, I believe you you were at the game yourself, so it was a a, a wee bit of a, a slow start from from Rangers. And considering the pace that Braga had, um, how well they moved the ball, they, they gave us a real scare early on with a, a headed chance that McGregor did well to get down to, and they really should have finished. Um, do you think again, if, if we if we start looking at this one defensively, could and should Rangers have done any better for for either of the Braga goals? Yeah, well, the first one. We kind of give it away in the middle of the park. You know, it's again basic stuff, simple five yard passes gone astray. Uh, but we, we looked a wee bit panicked. And I think we've met this, uh, as I said before we came on air tonight, I think we've met better teams in Braga in Europe this season. However, they are on a run at the moment. They are in, uh, and, and when you're on runs like that, you just feel like, you know, no one can beat you. And that's where they are at the moment. Whereas we're on the other side, you know, we're on a different kind of run. So I think we've met we've met them and they're flying and we're struggling. And I think that showed for the first sort of 65, 70 minutes. You know, the decision-making was off again, panicked. Kamara was awful. Davis was awful. The first goal comes from, I think it was Arfield, maybe gave it away. I can't quite remember. But it's, it's a, a sort of basic five-yard pass that doesn't get completed Boy picks it up, ping, top corner. Second goal, I felt we were a wee bit unlucky. I think there's an argument to say the throw could have went the other way. But again, you know, they're quite fluent in how they do it. And I actually thought they worked it well. One thing I would say is when the boy goes to get the shot away, I thought Barisic, was, his effort to sort of block the shot was a bit lamentable. Uh, so, aye, it's just sort of synonymous with how Rangers are playing at the moment. You know, unconvincing lacking confidence, a wee bit fearful, you know, and when it's like that, Ibrox is a difficult place to play and I think, you know, the minute things are going against us and then, you know, 10 minutes in, we're a goal down and players are giving the ball away, the crowd turn and then the players again don't deal with that very well. So it was it was the perfect storm for the first hour or so uh, in, in a bad way, but, you know, the... the, the they done remarkably well to turn it around. I mean, in terms of a European comeback, I wasn't at the Marseille game in 92. I couldn't get a ticket that night. Uh, but I would say that's the best comeback since, since Marseille. It was just incredible. Just didn't see it coming. Uh, and the, the, they've had a lot of criticism for their performances recently, but so they deserve a lot of praise for, for turning that around on Thursday night. What was it then, John, that, that, that sparked that? As, as Colin says, there were 
it was a sluggish team performance and there were certain individuals who were really, really letting themselves and letting the side down. So what is it that changed um, and, and kick-started a, a quite glorious 15 minutes? The goal. I mean, I think goals, goals change games, as they say, uh, and it definitely changed that game. Um, as, as Colin said, you know, watching that game, it was there was moments it was men against boys. We were so far out of it, um, and then we we get a goal and a good goal. You know, he took it well, um, a nice pass to him, and he still had a lot to do. And I think two things happened. I think the crowd, because the crowd, you know, how can we give how you word this? The crowd were very frustrated on on Thursday night, and I think what was frustrating them was the mistakes we were making. The amount of times we were misplacing passes, the amount of times that we were just giving the ball away. And the, I think the Rangers support will accept defeat from a better team. As long as the team, as long as the Rangers team has has given everything they could. You know, as the Rangers team has done everything they could, they will accept defeat. I have seen Rangers support applaud goals scored against us. It doesn't happen very often, but I have seen it done. Um, but when the team, when they feel the team isn't trying, when they feel the team is, is, is simply not giving everything they can, the Rangers support can be quite unforgiving. So I think when that goal went in, the mood changed. Suddenly it's 2-1 and it's a good goal. And, and you know, Hadji is still, you know, Hadji's not been here long enough yet to annoy any of us, so we're still quite like Hadji. Um, good goal. I thought that got the crowd up. It clearly got the fans up. You know, how you went and get the ball, brought it back to the center heart, center, center, center spot. You know, he started, you know, trying to get the crowd going. So something happened there. Suddenly there was this little bit of belief. But I also think, I think Bracker switched off. Um, I'd, I'd read beforehand that they were suspect defensively. You know, we could have scored in the first half. I mean, Morelos was put clean through. And it's the kind of goal he was scoring in the first half of the season. Through on goal, he was putting that away the first half of the season. Yeah. He didn't score. Uh, had he scored then, who knows? You know, one each at that point, who knows what happened. But, um, you know, we've been told defensively they were a wee bit suspect, and it turned out they were. It turned out to be true um, because, you know, the change he made where um, Aribo went to, well, I mean, did he play left back? I don't know. I mean, the fact we didn't have a left-back anymore, I'm still not entirely sure he played left-back or whether we just decided to go with a three and, and, and cover. Um, a little bit like today, I wasn't entirely convinced he was playing left-back in the second half. Um, I think we just decided not to play with a left-back. Uh, but whatever happened, I think the momentum in the game changed. Um, I don't think you could say... I think tactically, I'm not sure if it was necessarily a tactic thing, I think it was a heart thing. I think it was a passion thing. Um, I think suddenly the, 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 the momentum of the game changed after that goal. The crowd were up for it. Suddenly the players were as well. The players were, were, were getting on the end of passes. They were, they were trying things and it was happening. Um, so I, I think it was the goal rather than anything else. Um, I think Braga perhaps thought the job was done at 2-0. To be fair, as did I. Uh, I think they thought the job was done. And, and it was just one of these mad nights where, where, I mean, I did not see that coming. I didn't see as, I was concerned about winning the match before it. At halftime, uh, you know, I was, I was concerned that they would, it would be kept respectable because they did look like they could cut through as it will. Um, I, I did not see that coming. I'm pleased it did. But for me, that's, that was the turning point. Um, to answer your question, the turning point for me was the goal. Uh, and that just changed the whole mood in the stadium. And if there's a lesson there for us as supporters, it's actually we can contribute to, to the outcome of a match. A game like that, actually the support can contribute to that because our heads were down in the first half. There were moans and groans. I mean, Kamara was, as I said earlier, I felt sorry for Kamara because he was just having one of these games. You know, he should have, he was hooked at halftime. He should have been hooked before that because it, it just, nothing was working for him. He gave the ball away. He was, he was involved with the, with the first goal. Ultimately, Arfield then lost possession, but it was a bad, bad pass from Kamara um, in the first place that put Arfield in that position. Uh, and he was just having one of those games. I mean, he, he, that kind of one when he knocked it back to the, to the on-rushing Braga player was the strangest thing. Um, so 
the, we made the change at halftime. I didn't think it made the slightest difference to the match. It still looked like they were going to score at will. Um, the goal made the change. The goal made it for us. Hadji made the difference. Um, he scored that great goal um, and, and that got the crowd going and that was the change for us. Yeah, and to be fair, what, what a finish it was from, from Hadji and, you know, he's done very, very well. Cuts in on his left. Obviously, it's, it's well documented that no one seems to be able to work out if he's left or right-footed. Um, puts the ball probably the, the one place that the keeper's not going to be able to reach it in off the post and it's a, it is a really um, strong moment, a kind of catalytic moment sparking that comeback. Now, Colin, I believe that your your seat's in the Govern rear. Are you? Am I right in thinking you're up towards the the Copeland end? Yeah, we're in line with the sort of uh, the eighteen yard box at the Copeland Road end. So, yeah, uh, it's so a decent view. Your your view of Joe Aribo's goal must. Oh, have... just oh, it was just uh, fantastic. I, I, I think I've, I've went out on Twitter with this. It shades of David Cooper against Tampere. You know what I mean? Because uh, David Cooper goes on a run in one of the games. I mean, I know that it was a finished team and they were only one of the better teams, but it was it's, it's, it's a performance that Cooper's sort of remembered for. Uh, we beat them 4-0 that night and it was just outstanding. But it, I think it was the third goal that night. He, he went on this run, beat about four or five of them and he didn't score. He cut it in for Robert Fleck. And during his run, he sort of bumps into two defenders. You know what I mean? And it looks like the whole thing's stopped and then he manages to get through it. And there was even a bit of that about Aribo. You know what I mean? He gets past the first guy, he sort of stops into these two guys that have sort of, and then he just sort of gets through them, takes it to the left and just, it was just, I mean, where we were at that point, it was just absolute bedlam. And you kind of got the feeling that, that things were turning then, you know what I mean? And one thing I would add to John, I think he's he's right that, you know, goals change the game. But another thing that I think had a, an aspect on, on Thursday night was the tempo that, that Braga were playing at early doors. I mean, the, the press that they were putting on us, you know, they really were all over us, you know, like a cheap suit, just on us, on us, on us. And I said to my boy after 15 minutes, they will not be able to maintain this. You know, they're playing so well. And I think the hope, I think their game plan was play a really, really high tempo and the game will be done. And then it doesn't really matter. And the game should have been done. It was 2 nothing, but it probably should have been more. 2 nothing. we get the goal and then I don't think they've got much left in the tank. And then when we get the second goal, it's game on then, you know what I mean? And and the scenes when the third one went in. Oh, but it was a great night. I mean, I know, I know it's been a disappointing day today and we're all a bit down, but we shouldn't forget how good a night that was on Thursday night. In, in, in terms of my own experience, it's probably one of my most memorable European nights. You know, it'd be 2 on down and bring it back and win 3-2 against a, a, a really top-class side. Absolutely brilliant. And I kept on saying to my boy all the way home, you'll need to remember this. We'll talk about this in 20 years' time. You know what I mean? And the next time, one, 20 years from now, you'll be saying, oh, I'm Braga. And you can say, I was there. I was there that night. And Joe Aribo's goal. I mean, I had everything. You know, even, I mean, I, I don't think we should underestimate how good Hadji's goal was. I think that was a really good goal as well. Uh, but Aribo's was just, you know, it's just like, how's, how's he done that? And uh, we were lucky with the third one, but aye, brilliant night. Absolutely brilliant. And uh I came home buzzing. I think I got to my bed about half one. I'm one of these guys that I have to watch the game over again, you know what I mean? Because I'm so hyped up. So I think it was about half one before I got to my bed, you know. No, listen, I'm I'm the exact same. And it was it was an incredible, incredible evening. I think compounded by the fact that going into the game, we knew that they were probably going to be one of the tougher sides that we'd faced. I and mean, it was is it not something like nineteen matches unbeaten that they'd gone in Portugal? I'm actually just checking my phone now. They've just won again this evening, Braga. They've just won three one against Pretoria. Um, so they're a team in form, they are the form team in Portugal, um, but we have a, a very, very good record against Portuguese teams. Um, obviously, you know, we, we turned over Porto earlier in the season, um, so going into it, we knew it would be tight, but to go 2-0 down uh, and to, to play as, as poorly as we did in that first half, um, I don't think anyone really really saw the, that comeback coming. John, looking ahead to Wednesday, um, by the way, an absolutely ludicrous kickoff time of, of five o'clock on a Wednesday. And, and I know that many people like myself will be struggling to get away from work for that one. What, can um, I ask, do you, do you know, Ross, why it's on the Wednesday as well? Is it not because Porto... I will think be... I, Porto are playing. Uh, yeah. Right. They're, in, they're both in Porto and, and Porto are playing. So. Right, okay. Because I, I obviously expecting it to be the Thursday, so... Ah, right, right, okay, thank you. Porto, Porto are playing and it's, it's something like 30 kilometres down the road. Um, 
so uh, John, um, Wednesday, five pm kickoff. How do you how do you rate our chances? Obviously, we go in with a, a goal lead, but we have given up two away goals. We know that they're a side that can score. We know that we're a side that can't can, uh, can't defend. But actually, the same applies the opposite. We score and they can't defend. Um, how do you, how do you rate the chances? Oh. Look, we've got a chance. That, 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 I, I, I rate them a lot better just now than I did at half time on the day. Um, I don't know. We'll see. I, I mean, like you say, we can't defend. Um, if, if we go there, try to sit deep um, and, and, and hold out for a nothing each, we'll, we'll, we'll get put out because our, our defending is not good. That is not a Walter Smith Rangers team. That is not a team that can have a backs to the wall pummeling and, and come away with the result. So so that's not going to happen. Um, I'm not sure what he's going to do tactically. I can't decide what he'll do tactically. Um, but I would be surprised if we don't play a couple of sitting midfielders. Uh, I suspect we will. I suspect Kent will play. And I wonder if he might play them through the middle. I wonder if we will be looking to just hit them on the break. Because we know they've got to come at us. You know, we know they need the goal. Um, and, and I wonder if, if, if we'll try and do that. I think that might be a mistake. Our best performances this season is when we've kept the ball. It's when we've got the ball and we've kept it. And, we, and we've played football. I don't think we are a team that... Uh, I, I said it earlier, we're not a Walter Smith team. Um we're not a team that can sit deep. Um, we're, we're a team that needs the ball, needs to, needs to own the ball, needs to dictate the pace. If we can do that, we've got a chance. But, but nothing I've seen so far um, this year has suggested to me we can. That's my worry. Um, so I actually think it will be down to how they play. It will be down to their tactics. If they, if they come at us the, in the second leg the way they did in the first leg, I, I, I don't fancy our chances too highly. If they're a bit tentative, if they're nervous about us hitting the break and, and sit back a little bit and give us the ball, actually, I think we might because I think we can create chances against this team. Um, you know, I think we will have we will have opportunities to score. Um, so uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm let's I'm going to be positive just because because I've been so miserable since this afternoon. I'm going to be positive and say, yeah, yeah, we, we've. I would say we're going to this game, and and we have a we have a good chance. Is that positive enough? That's that's but as upbeat as I've been all day. A, a good chance. I mean, so I, I work in the gambling industry, John. If you were putting money on it, where where would you set the odds? I, I don't work <laughs> in the gambling industry, um, and I I don't gamble. Believe it or not, I had a. I, I, I an anecdote I'm not going to tell in the pod, but I had a bad experience as a 17-year-old um, putting on bets for my journeyman, um, and I have never gambled since. So I haven't a clue. You need to tell me. Either way, I'm not putting any money on it. So No, fair enough, and that's that's a good <laughs> message to all the listeners. Um, Colin, how about yourself? I mean, for me, it's, it's, it's 50-50. Um, it's, it's one where you're certainly, if you're putting your coupon together, you're you're putting it on both teams to score. Um, do you do you rate our chances? Do you think we have to be positive? Do you think we need to to tighten up and, and try and keep it tight at the back? How would you approach this one? In terms of chances, I have to say, based on our current run of form, I'm quite fearful. Uh, as I said earlier on, I think if we'd met this team earlier on in the campaign, then I'd, I'd be more confident. You know, we went to Feyenoord, very tricky place to go very unlucky not to come away with a win. The same in Porto. We played a couple of decent teams as well in the, the qualifying stage as well. I just think we are in a bad place at the moment. We're, we're just not confident. And uh, in terms of our chances, I, I don't fancy us at all, if I'm being honest. When I came out on Thursday night, I thought the tie's there. It's open. It's wide open. You know, we've got the goal. And it is. You know, we're in the lead and they've got to get the goal. And, so it's as positive as it could be given where we were, you know, 60 minutes in. But I just keep on waiting for a reaction for this Rangers team. I keep on seeing bad performance after bad performance. And every week I go in and think, right, this will be the week that it gets fixed. I thought the Aberdeen game a few weeks ago, because I turned up, I got into the ground a couple of minutes late that day. Uh, and there was a, a real edge to the atmosphere. And you thought, right, this is the game they've needed. You know, this is this is what's going to lift them up. Nothing 
Hearts game, you think this will be the game, nothing. Kelly, every time you just think this will be the game that they, they, they pick themselves up. And even the games they have won, even the game against Hamilton in the Scottish Cup, you know, fairly unconvincing. So I think given the the high tempo and the sort of high technical ability that these players displayed at Ibrox through the week, I think if we perform the way we have been since the winter break, then it could be a long night for us. That said, you never know. Uh, the players might find the confidence that they've been lacking. They might find their form. They might find the tempo. And I think if they do find that, the, the game could suit us. You know, a team coming at us, I think we are quite good at hitting teams on the break. I agree with John. I think somebody like Ryan Kent, even though he's out of form, would, would probably suit that. Whether he'll play him through the middle, I don't know. But uh, I, I don't fancy us. And then you worry about next Saturday against Hearts. You know what I mean? Because if we lose that, then the season is done and dusted. And so it's a big week for Gerard. And I just hope he gets through it because I think he deserves uh, to, you know, he deserves to a chance to, to get us a, a, a trophy and a cup and all that kind of thing because I think we've made huge strides under Gerard. He's not perfect, he's made mistakes, but uh, I don't think we should be looking to get rid of him just yet. So it's a big week for him, so I hope he gets the results he's need. You see now, just as a wee insight for, for the listeners as to how things work here at Gersnet, um this afternoon I, I, I wrote this agenda, all the questions we'd be, we'd be talking about, all the discussion points, and I'd actually written it that we would have talking about the Braga game first and then talk about St Johnston and Colin texted me and said maybe we should do St Johnston first and Braga second so we can end it on a positive note he's ended the show there by saying uh, we weren't very good against Braga we're not good against St Johnston I'm nervous we'll be bad again against Braga and then I'm nervous we're going to be bad against Hearts and that's the season over um, you've made me look a bit of a mug Colin <laughs> you want to know something it's, it was amazing how easy it was <laughs> Right, um, I think the only, thing, the only thing left to do is end the show um, before it gets any worse. We're all <laughs> Just before we end this show... Um, Go on, John, end it on a positive note. The, the Great Rangers comebacks, yeah, absolutely, the Great Rangers comebacks are, are the great European nights at Ibrox. Because um, I was at the Marseille game, uh, which was, again, a similar game because you were getting pummeled for most of it and then all of a sudden we came back. So I was at that game and I was at the Leeds game which was a, a great game as well. Um, but I tell you, I get taken to a game, I can't remember every year, maybe 84, and we were, we were playing in, in the Milan. In the Milan, yeah. That's right. And, and we, 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 like, we put John McClelland up front. We were 3 nothing we down from the first leg. Yeah, we did something. I mean, nearly did it. You know, we beat them. And it was one of these ones we, we, we nearly did it. Um, we, we nearly got through. And it was a great game. And that was that was one of these great European games, um, that that were these great European nights. Out. So the crowd was up, you know. We just went for it. They just they just threw everything at them. Ultimately, I don't think it made a difference. We didn't go through, but it was it was a fantastic evening at Ibrox. And you know, let's see how let's see how Wednesday goes. It, you know, the, the players must be hurting. They must themselves must be hurting. Uh, uh, let's see if maybe there's a reaction in there. Maybe there's just just to lift us a wee bit at the, at the tonight. The European games are, 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 I suppose, a free hit, right? No one's really expecting Rangers to win the Europa League. If I was, if I was in that dressing room right now, I'd be going out there thinking, "Well, there's no real pressure in this game. Let's just go." And that's maybe the environment they need to just find that something that gives them, because sometimes that's all you need. You know what I mean? It's you just need that wee spark to rediscover the forum that, you, that you're capable of. And, and I've been waiting on it coming and coming and it's not came yet. And maybe a game like Wednesday night, you know, that might be the one that does it. And then we go into Saturday and we pump hearts and we win the Scottish Cup. Never ends great. Well, I look forward to listening to the pod next week. <laughs> 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 we had, thank God we had uh, fans' favourite John McCallum. <laughs> right. I, I think I'm injured. I'm out next week. I've pulled a hammy. I'm out. So. Um, you've done a Glenn Camaro. You've had a shock and we're ha- pulling you at halftime. Um, <laughs> listen, guys, I'm going to I'm gonna wrap the show up there. I think that's probably all we've got time for this evening. Um, look, as always, I'd like to say a, a massive thanks to the guests, to Colin and John, for your time this evening. 
Um, to everyone listening, make sure you head over to the website, www.jazznet.co.uk. Like I say, you can catch up on all the old episodes of the podcast. We've done 80 episodes now, uh, spanning three seasons. Um, so make sure you, you catch up on any that you might have missed. You read all the, the, the articles, the previews, and, and get involved in the forum where you can find myself, Colin, and John. Uh, remember that the pod will be back next Sunday with another show, hopefully looking at European progress and a successful outing in the Scottish Cup. Uh, in the meantime, you can find all three of us on Twitter as well. All that's left for me to say is a massive thank you for listening and have a great week.